0: I just finished,
1: I finished my apple a day to keep the doctor away. And that's what's up. Um, Way, wow. what's up, man? I don't, so what's interesting is um, I, as much as I respect everything that is, that is in the wrestling and MMA world, I'm nowhere near as invested in it as my two podcast partners here. So I don't know really anything about you other than what Jordan and Justin have told me. Um, so I'm kind of coming into this one today blind and excited to see why these guys have been literally texting in the group chat how excited they are. I'm totally blowing <laughs> up specifically Jordan's spot right now. Yeah, yep. yeah. Now? Uh, you
0: know, so let,
2: let me just say, uh, uh, look, we've had an A-list celebrity on here. Uh, we often have musicians that regularly perform to thousands of people. Um, I think this is up there with uh, my childhood musical hero that we had come to my apartment a couple years ago. This is up there with like the most like good, nervous butterflies I've had for any of these episodes.
1: That, that's Pretty huge. I,
3: I, I took a, I took a scroll through, through, through your uh, uh, iTunes catalog and I'm like, man, Donnie Wahlberg, damn. Like to, to be up there with that is what you're saying that what an honor.
2: But the interesting thing is that when he sees this published, He's going to think the same thing on the flip of like, whoa, they got Wade Ting. <laughs> what an honor for me to open up for the
3: man. Oh, It's hilarious. Hilarious. Well, thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this, actually. Um, like you guys happen to cover a, a subject matter. We don't really talk about all that much on on like our side of the, the, the podcasting world. So uh, this is really cool. I'm happy to be here.
2: Hell yeah, man. And I know you and I, I don't know if you remember, but uh, back in New Orleans a couple years ago, uh, we may have like, uh, you know, like shaken the hand as, as we used to do back in the day and, uh, said, Hey, what's up? Uh, I, I think I was actually sitting in your seat, uh, which was yes, next to your, your, your business partner and podcast partner, John Pollock. Uh, so, uh, you were gracious enough to let me sit there for like a half hour and chat with him, but you and I have never really, uh, done this face to face.
3: No, we have not. No, no. Uh, obviously, I know you from from the podcast. And yeah, we we briefly had a brief interaction. But, you know, like you were working that day that was at an R.O.H. show, the biggest show of the year at that time. So you're busy running around. It was kind of difficult to, like, you know, find seating for everybody to sit at as well. So, uh, uh, you know, if it takes something like this to for us to finally interact, then great.
2: Hell yeah, man. Uh, that was a busy day. That was a highlight of my time at ring of honor. Uh, but highlight mostly because, uh, I got to both meet you and chat with John Pollock. Uh, I say that with hyperbole, but like, that's actually pretty close to the truth as well.
3: (laughs) That's amazing. I mean, well, listen, I'm sure, uh, somebody listening to chocolate croissants right now, someday will get the chance to meet you guys and might feel the same way.
2: Well, so that's where I want to start with because, uh, and look, we've all had the, the pleasure to actually meet people in public that connect with us emotionally uh, by listening to us uh, weekly. And I started listening to, to you and John at least in 2013, maybe even before that. And you guys uh, publish content very, very regularly, uh, You know, sometimes four or five times a week if there's special events going on. Uh, mm-hmm. And I consume a lot of it. So, you know, at this point for, you know, almost a decade of my life, uh, I've spent hours with you in in some way and uh, no pun intended. Oh, man, I, I shouldn't. Have, you probably get the puns
3: all the time, don't you? These waves. Uh, I get plenty of them. Yeah. From well, not just for my name, but also, you know, working with John Pollock, who was a master of them. So, yes, I am exposed to them on a very regular basis.
2: Yes. You know, what? I'm not going to compete with uh, John Pollock when it comes to the uh, pun game. Um, but the point I'm trying to get to is, uh, the two of you in my book, you guys are like the pro wrestling friends that I always wanted, but really couldn't find, you know, I've connected with you guys, just your professionalism, uh, your sense of humor, uh, your, your actual passion for what you're covering. Um, and also the, the friendship and the bond, the, the rapport that, that you guys have cultivated over a long time. Uh, that's why I fuck with you guys. Like you uh, seem at least like two people that I would want to be in the room with. And in that sense, I've spent hundreds, maybe thousands of hours, like in your guys' presence. Uh, and in that way, there's definitely a connection that's
3: formed. I, I really appreciate that, first of all. Uh, and, you know, in the past, it's like, man, like I, I would kind of do this thing where like, really, like us? But like, I totally understand it. Because on that way with podcasts I listen to, um, and you know, podcasts, it, they, they differ in the way of uh, that, like, you know, radio used to, um, because you, these aren't confined spaces where we're stuck to, you know, 10 minute segments, 15 minute segments, and it's not as produced or as really as artificial as, you know, those other prior sources can seem. They are just really recorded conversations that people have, and so... You know, by doing it on a regular basis, um, doing it in a routine basis, you feel like you are meeting up with your friends as sort of like the, the quiet friend in the corner listening to these conversations um every single week. And it's something that um, John and I are, I think, really ha- lucky to, to have kind of like started at a pretty early time. We did our first like, you know, we were always involved in radio, but like as far as like, you know, the podcasting in this format and this style goes, I think we started around like 2008, 2000, you know, like maybe even a bit earlier than that. So, um, to be able to not just, um, get in on like a, I don't know, sort of like a technology that that's been, that was relatively new at the time, but also to do it in a space that, you know, features as much to talk about as professional wrestling with as dedicated of a fan base as professional wrestling. Um, we were definitely very fortunate.
2: So I'm curious, man, uh, uh, I know it, you've been into wrestling since a young age, uh, but and, and correct me if I'm wrong. did you study uh, videography in a, yes. in a college a university? Okay, so uh, you know we have a lot of people that listen to these episodes, and there's this common narrative amongst a lot of people that, okay, once you get to university or college, uh, you kind of pick the thing that you eventually monetize as a career. Um, I'm curious, when did videography? come into your life? When did editing come into your life? Uh, Were these things that you've always just kind of been tinkering with and and actually putting in the work way before uh, a formal education?
3: Yeah, uh, well, for me, like I'm sure like many people, you know, you go through high school and, you know, I don't know how it is in the U.S., but like in Canada, in your last year, you essentially have to that's when you have to apply for colleges or universities here. And I just remember, like, being that age, whether it be, like, 16 or something, and just thinking, I have to choose what I want to do for the rest of my life, like, right now, you know, and I just don't have that life experience to really be able to make that choice. So, like, the only thing that went into my mind as I was looking through, you know, my catalog of programs to choose from were could I see myself doing something related to this for eight hours a day for, you know, uh, the next several years of my life at least. And the only that i really gravitated towards while i was in high school was this program called communications technology and essentially it was like you know like a multimedia course that you know gave us a brief introduction to communications and and, you know at that time it was just sort of like the starting point of digital editing it was uh you know we did a bit of claymation uh, you know like those courses right now i'm sure are way different but like back then I would just spend hours and hours and hours editing these projects that I had shot with my friends and just, I, you know, time would fly by. And it would it told me that, like, I can do this for eight hours a day and I was enjoying myself. And if there's something related to this that I can, you know, devote a career to, then I think that would be it. You know, it's something I can bear to do for eight hours a day plus. And uh, when it came time to choose programs, I chose the radio and television arts program at Ryerson U- University here And that kind of led into um, studying it. You know, I didn't exactly get an education on camera work. It was more so getting an internship at this place called the Fight Network at the time where, you know, you know how these places run. It's like they're pretty tiny and they're like, hey, who's ever used a camera before? And I was like, uh, I guess I picked one up at school. And then you learn on the job, you know, and that was one of the good things about working for a small company like, like the Fight Network it allowed me to have experience in a lot of areas, whether it be editing or camera work or in the, in the case of our podcast, radio.
0: Wait, I, um, I want to talk about something that you said there. I, I, I think about this often that, that at 18 or 17, for some people, you go to university or college and you're supposed to pick this track this major that then sets you up for the rest of your life, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I thought about that when I went to university the, the first time at 18, uh, I think I was maybe even 17 at the time, whatever it was, Yeah, I chose, I think I was three or four majors deep before I ended up graduating with like a kind of made up interdisciplinary studies, make up your own major kind of thing, because I really just wanted to finish. I just wanted to see the thing through. Mm-hmm. However, many years later that was, and and after that, I was able, I was fortunate enough to then do some backpacking, and I saw all of these kids, seventeen years old, that had saved up money while they were, you know, still in high school, and instead of of going right to university, they just wanted to go get some life experience, so they went backpacking. And it's something I've been thinking about a lot recently. This just this idea of like learning a lot about yourself by dropping yourself into uh, an unknown environment and seeing how you fare. You know, and really just picking up little life lessons uh, and just going with with kind of like I always think of, like you know, what your what your mother taught you of like, you know, uh, saying things like like learning how to say hello and goodbye and please and thank you. And what's your name, you know, in like the native tongue and just seeing what kind of lessons you learn so that you can then maybe come back, have a a, a little bit more um, heightened perspective of what maybe you would want to choose to study for four years uh, before you go off, you know, into, into the real world and try to monetize that as Jordan was saying. Um, but yeah, I, I find that to be a a very tough thing for so many people. Um, and for me, then I ended up going back later in, in when I was in my later twenties, because then I finally had figured it out. Um, but I wanted to ask you, you know, you chose this track, uh, and, and you were fortunate enough to, to end up with something that you really enjoyed. Uh, kind of early on for a lot of, uh, like the medium of podcasting, you chose this. Um, if you were to enter it today for someone who's maybe thinking of the same idea, they love fill in the blank There's something that they absolutely love, a subject, a sport, something. Um, are there, are there any like nuggets of wisdom that, that you could maybe offer, uh, of, of someone getting started now versus maybe when this was young?
3: Man, you know, I I sometimes I feel number one, I feel very fortunate to be where I'm at. At the same time, sometimes I feel unqualified to be able to give an answer like that, because in many ways, like I've just kind of followed what I wanted to do. And then I really feel fortunate in that I've been able to find work and have been able to get paid doing that thing. It's not necessarily, you know, me setting out an intention to be like 10 years time. I want to have a full time podcasting job. That didn't really happen for me. Um, and, you know, I I, I I, like, you know, going back to I wanted to address like what you were talking about before, like being in high school and actually making the decision to take a year off so that you travel the world. That really requires, I would say, a level of, I think, self-reflection and, and autonomy that I wish I had because I didn't really have that. I didn't really have that motivation, especially like, you know. Like, growing up, like, uh, with, with Asian parents, there are definitely a lot of pressures to just go straight to school, get a job, make sure you take a year off, wasting time, wasting that precious year to, what, go on vacation? That would be completely unheard of. But I, I would, you know, suggest that probably most people who have that life experience end up with something that you definitely can't learn, you know, in school. Um, so, for me, like part of the problem when you're entering a system is that you only learn to follow the rules you only learn to follow the track that's been set up for you and so you many people and i i feel this way myself too you you know when it comes time to make those big decisions in life about where you want to go once you don't have those those shackles anymore let's say you get let go from a job or you know um i don't know for some reason you decide to change careers that open path can be really daunting um, so going back to, I guess your, your question is, you know, what would, what would I suggest for somebody who like, is that focused to want to start a new career in something that they're passionate about? I can't really say, cause I've followed these tracks and I've been lucky enough. You know, I, I, I happen to be I, maybe, maybe, you know, unconsciously I've directed myself into like this direction that I ended up in doing something that I've enjoyed. And I think that maybe starts off at the beginning of like, you know, having that conversation to myself, what can I stand myself doing for eight hours a day and then directing myself in this direction. And this, this path seems to just have, you know, been where where it led to. So I would say, follow what you want to do.
1: One thing I want to say, you mentioned that you didn't feel like you had the mental, I guess, experience or fortitude to, to, you know, decide to take a year off and go against what might have been expected of you. But I think just being able to actually ask yourself the question, what could I see myself doing for eight hours a day? That's what actually stuck out to me when you said it the first time, because I certainly didn't have that conversation with myself. Um, now, I'm a little bit off the, the beaten path with it because I kind of always knew what I was doing. and I've been playing drums my whole life. I knew that's what it was. But I did go to college. And when I went, I did not even slightly have that conversation with myself. And again, maybe there's a bias there because I never really went to college to take it seriously for a career because I always knew what I wanted to do. It was just kind of a thing I was expected to do and I was home and might as well and I'd get some, you know, have some fun, so on and so forth. But I think you did answer Justin's question probably in an amazing way by simply saying that. And if nothing else, anybody listening if they find themselves in that position, that is the question to ask yourself. If you are making a career change, if you're going into a track in university for four plus years or two plus years, whatever it is, if you are adding something into your life as a side hustle or whatever, I think that in and of itself is a great form of a question to ask. Whether it's, what do I see myself doing for eight hours a day, or in my free time, what would I be really happy and feel fulfilled doing? Um, something like that. And I think like shows a lot of wisdom and probably, you know, some some wisdom beyond your years to say that to yourself at 17 years old. So point is, don't give your don't don't discredit that act and that thought process in and of itself is what I would say.
3: I appreciate that. Yes. Yes. I, in a roundabout way, like as I was kind of answering the question, I, I realized there were connections between those things. So it, it's definitely an interesting way of, uh, interpreting it. i am so so. I'm,
2: I'm, I'm curious way, uh, at fight network to me, at least it would seem that these wrestling podcasts where you're reviewing, you know, the, the weekly episode of raw, for instance, or, or looking back at, 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 you know, special events from years past, uh, I'd imagine that wasn't on the job description. Was this something that that you and John just took it upon yourselves to be like, yo, this feels like a cool thing that we could do. We're in a position where a company could uh, support us creating content like that. And maybe that was you guys actually following uh, something that felt a bit more energizing than maybe the day to day.
3: Absolutely. Yes, Um, I You know, like my memory is a little bit foggy now, but I would say somewhere around like 10 years ago when we started doing like, you know, John and I, we started doing our own podcast pretty consistently. I think it also coincided with a period, well, number one, it was just like fun to do. Um, And it was something that we didn't even consider really a part of our job. We had the equipment there, but it was stuff we did off hours, you know, John and I would just like, hey, get into the booth, record it. We had this outlet attached to the radio show that we were working on at the time, live audio wrestling. Uh, where we could attach you know an extra bit of audio to every podcast that went up afterwards, and so um we would record old reviews or like when we started it was just conversations much like this, but like they graduated into you know formal and eh, more formal informal reviews of professional wrestling shows and then I don't I think there was just a period where either. It, man, it might have coincided with like a move. For, like We changed offices and therefore production pretty much halted. We didn't have a whole lot going on. And I think for John too, there was a period that coincided with him probably not doing as much on the reporting journalism side as he wanted to. He was either not being given those responsibilities or there just wasn't a need for that role. And I think as a creative outlet for john he suggested or he wanted to do more and i've always been inspired by i think all the feedback that we would receive you know even when we we're just a really small podcast but just to the idea that anybody was listening and enjoying the shows i felt like a real um privilege to have that space and and, and in a sense i felt a bit of a responsibility even to just like do more and so we we expanded it from just old school reviews to uh, monday night raw reviews which we continue to do the, to this day at some point impact reviews and it just started to grow and grow and grow and i've always been a fan of like you know um community building whether it be like you know through bands i used to listen to or message boards that i used to go to for professional wrestling and to me that is much as part of the fun of this job as actually creating the podcast it's starting a patreon or like communicating with our fans or coming up with merchandise ideas and just coming up with new show ideas and things like that so uh yeah sorry i, I don't know if that fully answered the question but yeah
2: yeah dude look I, I love that you bring up this idea of community building uh that is obviously one of the reasons why i've, I've been drawn to to what you guys do because uh, you have that sense of not only having a strong bond between the two of you but you've created a family of of podcasts if you will where there's uh you know, other talent that are creating their own content under what's now the post-wrestling banner. Um, so last April, uh, you know, I worked at Madison square garden. That was the, the last thing that I did with ring of honor. And, uh, I know you guys were there. I made sure that, that you and John had tickets through the, the publicist. Thank you for uh, Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. But, uh, Brayden and Davey, who are part of the post-wrestling family, were my guests. They sat with me. And then I met with them a bit after the show at a bar. And then I start meeting all of these people, uh, who have like nicknames, whether it's, uh, MJ or from the six, one of them's from the six and, uh, Jesse, uh, yeah. Jesse from the six. Yeah. Um, or, uh, I mean, I'm going to botching all these fucking names. I'm not even going to say them point being I'm at a bar and all these people are coming up to me They know that I'm friendly with, uh, with Brayden and Davey. I stick out like a sore thumb because I have a suit and tie on. And these are just a cast of characters that are essentially part of the post wrestling community. Uh, and for you guys to be headquartered in, in Toronto, uh, for me to be in New York city, uh, to be amongst, uh, your community was like just so impressive man, and such a testament to what you guys do. Uh, as much to the fact that you guys have your own fucking shows, like during WrestleMania weekend in the host city, like people buy a ticket to uh, to meet you guys and to ask you questions, like that's crazy. Uh, thinking yeah. that it just started as this like side thing for fun uh, at at your day job.
3: Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I I never like stop to you know I never take it for granted. Um, it is crazy, but you know I think you guys. The three of you would be very qualified to really kind of like relate to, to it all being a part of bands you know and 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 to me like that's always been my inspiration is just like see what bands do to like foster like you know these meetups with with people um for me it's like you know a, a lot of people are are like we've been really again like i'm i'm so fortunate to to just be a part of this whole thing myself because all of our listeners are just like awesome like they you know occasionally there might be like one or two weird people, but they, even the weird people are cool. Like I've, you know, I'd hang out with all of them. So, uh, I, I think may, maybe some of that has to go with the fact that like John, and John and I, you know, maybe our podcasting style is, is, is a lot more conversational and that we do have the space at the be- beginning of our shows where we just like catch each other up on, on our lives rather than, you know, if we were a straight lead straight up, like news broadcast, I don't know if like there'd be perhaps the attachment to the personality. Um, Having an ability to to read feedback from our audience and, you know, to take phone calls from our audience exposes, um, you know, people to the voices that listen to us and the voices that want to be heard. And, you know, there's some incredibly intelligent people, smarter than me, that listen to our shows that have, like, you know, given input on various wrestling um, events that have taken place. And I... I I enjoy listening to them, and I think our audience enjoys listening to them, too, whether it be for their personality or for their insight.
2: Well, I think there's something to be said that, look, we attract what we are. So you mentioned the audience that you guys naturally attract. Uh, There are other pro wrestling podcasters out there, um, and I listen. Some of them have call-in shows, or you can see in in comment threads. Um, It's, you know, it's less than mature. That's how I'll put it. Uh, You guys, and again, one of the reasons why uh, I've been so into the content that you guys create. Uh, Yes, it's conversational nature. Uh, Oftentimes, the first 30 minutes of an episode may be just you and John uh, catching up on each other's lives. Uh, I'd imagine there's like half the audience that loves that and that that doesn't. And just so
3: like whenever we started doing that, I was like, man, I'm so self conscious of like you know how sometimes of how people perceive us and you know when we were starting to do that i'm like john maybe we should like you know stop this stuff and i would have these conversations on air with john like hey how long are we gonna go before we like get to the review and then inevitably like i would hear from as many people that would rather us take longer because they'd rather hear that stuff than the actual review itself and so we kept it and i guess in that time we've kind of the people that have gotten sick of us have like stopped listening anyway and the people that are left are the ones that i guess care about the the wrestling as much as our personal lives
2: yeah and to me look that's the magic i mean because that's who you guys are when i first introduced uh, justin to you guys this was like early 2016 we were living in the same house uh, we had our mornings uh, pretty much free it was like snowing out we're watching uh, all the, uh, the the primaries for the election, like the coverage of that. And we'd be working on fucking puzzles, uh, listening to uh, John and Wei. And oftentimes with Justin, I don't think he was as interested in the wrestling. But I'd be like, yo, dude, like these guys are cool. They're smart. And this guy, Wei, like he's just funny. Um, and then <laughs> I kind of want to ask you about that. Like your personality has changed over time. You used to be... Uh, way more dry in the sense that you you acted as like you didn't give a fuck um i'm curious <laughs> how much of that uh was you how much of that was you maybe kind of playing it up a bit knowing that you people were paying attention and did that change at some point uh and did that correlate with you maybe starting to take it more seriously
3: so a, re- a, re- a reflection and an insight like that is something i'm i, I- feel like I might be aware of, but I really have never had somebody say that to me, like out loud. So I appreciate that, Jordan. And I would love to know more of your, you know, analysis as to when that might have occurred, because I'm living this thing day to day and I have no real, you know, idea of when that might be shifting. And I think inevitably some of it comes along with just getting older. Like, when I was, like, you know, even in my early 20s, I was, like, a, a pretty apathetic person, didn't really care about politics, didn't care about, like, too many other things, didn't – I mean, I always took the responsibility of, like, doing a podcast pretty seriously, but at the same time, it was, like – I was a lot more likely to be like, whatever, like, this was stupid. And I, I sometimes I'm still like that, too, um, but as we started to do it more and more, I became more comfortable speaking on the microphone, um, just the idea of, like, everyday – watching something and then thinking to yourself, how do I feel about this? you know sometimes I watch something or I listen to a song or an album and it's like it, one ear out the other you don't really think about it you don't really formulate your opinion. It's become my job now to watch something intake it and then process it in a form that comes out of my mouth and and you know uh, it that you know it, I, I filter filter it at my own experience um, you know in the in the form of the podcast. So that I think has has changed. Um, certainly, you know, once we became full-time podcasters, once we, once we left the fight network and started to do this on our own, I, I always took it seriously, of course, but then once it became a job, I devoted all my attention to it and it's taken things to a different level. We've been tackling subjects that I never thought we would be tackling. Um, and you know, I would say that's definitely been a big change.
0: Yeah. I want to, I want to talk, uh, from, from 2016 to, to what I've listened to recently, um, I unlike Jordan, I haven't followed, you know, for years now. It's been Jordan will say, Hey, check this out, you gotta hear what they're talking about. So I'll pick up an, an episode here and there. But I mean, I vividly remember sitting at the table doing those puzzles, listening and and just laughing and, you know, uh, carrying on. It's so all cute was,
3: you guys do puzzles together. Oh I love yeah, it.
0: dude. It was great times. It really was great times. We were we were watching uh the craziness that was that election cycle, um, you know, through the through primaries and, and trying to to figure out what was going to happen while we did this puzzle. But we had this, this background conversation that, that I understand, uh, why, why your community is so drawn to because I was so drawn to it. I get it. You know, I felt like I was sitting there with a couple of my friends. I just wasn't really echoing, you know, or, or commenting on anything that was being said. I was just trying to be a good active listener and, and it was awesome, you know? And, and I remember, uh, at that time, just like you are dry, you're witty, uh, just, you know, you're funny. You're just a funny guy. But now I listen to uh, I listen to the episode, uh, I think, from from last night's review of A.W. Um, and I've, I've listened to a, a couple of the more serious tone conversations of recent. And it's it's you're still the same guy. It's but it's but it's different from what it once was. I, and, and it seems like maybe there, there is that era of, you know, uh, a bit more responsibility for for the, the audience and, and for the, the, the show um and and making you know and especially you know sometimes leading some of these these really important conversations uh and, and i'm really curious uh were there were there conversations uh between you and john um before you tackled some of these subjects you know kind of maybe shifting towards some of these matters what, what were those conversations like before you got into those
3: well first like uh, another thought that just came to mind is probably the fact that i i i'm, I'm I grew up like for the most part a pretty tired person. Like I was tired and lethargic all the time. And that's probably how it came across, especially in those earlier shows where like, you know, it was a side project. I had my day job. And then at the end of my day job, you get what you can get on the podcast. But now this is my full-time thing. I actually often, you know, will nap and peak for our recording. So you get me at my full energy. And that's something I've had to learn as a podcaster. Ah, uh, but going to to what you're saying, like when we when it comes to like you know a serious topic, like and and for me, I think a lot of it started with uh, trying to talk about Saudi Arabia and WWE's involvement with Saudi Arabia amidst the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. Um, a show like that, really, um, a lot of it I think is spearheaded by John and his incredibly like strong uh, integrity as a journalist. You know, not just um making sure that he covers all the angles, but just simply the responsibility he feels in trying to discover the truth or at least you know get edu- help him ourselves and our audience get educated and that's something i've been completely on board with it's something i i can't think of like you know a better use of this commun- like platform that we've created than to use it to try to i don't know like spread knowledge like like you guys you know do so well um so we haven't necessarily sat down and said this is what we intend to do it was more like I think the sort of like the the type of journalist he became, and really the type of people we became, and we've since kind of built a rapport where like anytime we've had to talk about a serious issue, it's just somewhat automatic. Like we understand the responsibility we have on a broadcast platform. We can't just say anything We're like oh like like this person probably did this. Oh, but you know what? He didn't do this. But oh, maybe he did. Like we can't speculate. Like we have to handle all these issues in a responsible manner. At the same time, like we we you know, like he and I would just like, even in private probably have like a pretty interesting, like educational conversation just amongst ourselves, like any friends would.
2: Yeah. So going back to what I was saying about, you know, you kind of attract what you are. Uh, yeah, the, the, the personal kind of vibe that, that you guys create, that's part of it. Uh, but you guys are responsible, articulate, like mature human beings. Uh, you are able to wrestle with, uh, something, uh, as, as, uh, just serious as Saudi Arabia and the geopolitical implications of uh, the WWE doing long-term business with them, uh, especially of the apparent uh, murder uh, of a journalist. Uh, and, and more recently, whether it's Black Lives Matter or the, uh, the Speaking Out movement, uh, which is akin to a, a Me Too movement within pro wrestling, that's kind of taken its course over the past few months. Um, or even just uh, the ways that you guys have um, covered and, and analyzed and criticized uh, some of these wrestling companies' response to, uh, to this pandemic and, and, and COVID. Um, you guys definitely, you're willing to go there when I think many others uh, would be afraid to do it, maybe because they feel like pro wrestling should be this kind of like fun, light form of entertainment. Um, or some just... Can't go there because they don't have the uh, the maturity or the capacity or the intellect uh, to to really uh, do those uh, those topics justice.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, it's uh, you know, it, 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 again, it's not something I, I think uh, we originally set out to do. But like in having these conversations about professional wrestling, inevitably we will run into these bigger topics and. Um, You know, it's uh, I say, like, certainly there's a great deal of responsibility in like, you know, our platform. But at the same time, like we we try to say exactly like uh, what is on our minds. I still try to maintain like the feeling of me being in a room with my friend, having a conversation and not really thinking about like, um, I don't know, repercussions afterwards. And I guess these are things that, you know, bother us that you know wouldn't feel right to to continue um without you know addressing uh, i you know i'll also say like a big part of what I think the coverage has been being able to hear the voices that perhaps are being most affected by some of these issues, and some of our guests that we've had on tackling some of these other issues or uh, people who are just simply more knowledgeable about it than we are that to me has been like part of the education
1: that's that's huge it's got to be a challenge to to try to maintain the authenticity of a conversation with your friend, but also that responsibility of, uh, I guess, for lack of better phrase like, or terminology, like political correctness in a way. Because it's very easy when it's just you and your friend and no one's listening to kind of really let your opinions fly. Um, and this isn't really a question, maybe just an observation, but I would imagine that that's something that you guys, that, that's, a, that's a tool that you guys have sharpened over the years as you've gotten very comfortable with having conversations um, although it is one-on-one you know there's a a large audience paying attention so it, it probably just has naturally sort of carved itself nicely into this perfect storm of the ability to uh to express true feelings but also respect the issues i guess uh, I don 't mm. think from a neutral standpoint, because obviously I'm sure you guys have plenty of opinions that are to either side, but I would imagine that's something you've developed you know through experience. Would you say that's that's correct like yeah, absolutely you
3: know and I, I wonder how much of it just comes down to like like the nature of what we do when we talk about a professional wrestling show we again, we experience something and then we filter our interpretation of it um as we're reviewing a show and you know in some cases it's not just reviewing a show but reviewing you know our feelings and our thoughts about several big life issues and um it might just sort of be the tone we've already established in the in the show where people seem to be open and expecting you know for our for our opinions about everything
1: real real quick sorry sorry real quick um do you find ever that you strike a nerve with people that strongly disagree with you and and aren't afraid to to reach out and show it and whether it's as Extreme as them trying to like out and cancel you or just simply chew you out and tell you that you guys are Out of your minds like do do you ever encounter that and if so Mm -hmm. um, I think the bigger question is how do you choose to deal with it? Um, Because I think that I mean that is a topic that we've encountered before on this podcast in a general sense how do you deal with that kind of intense criticism do you ignore it or do you respond to it or do you just kind of file it away into like an inbox that's just like a bunch of really shitty spam that you don't look at because you know I, I guess I don't know there's just different schools of thought there so I'm curious how you guys handle that
3: for me like it often depends on like the the thought put into the criticism and the tone of the criticism if it's just a guy saying you know like you know like cussing me out I'm like you don't deserve a response yeah. but if it's somebody who wants to engage in conversation I I I would you know if I do have the time would take the time and I prefer to do these things like you know if if somebody were to respond to me um like I don't know I guess in in a private message or something like that where I can really like you know um like respond or um you know we definitely get uh, i I would say a lot of uh dissenting opinion for instance on our youtube channel but even then it's like having to kind of like separate just man like people who
1: just want to and sorry not to cut you off but that that's my question is like do you even read it like they you know i read it it, i read everything okay so and how does Mm -hmm. i guess are you good at disassociating from taking it personally? Because I think there's a lot of people um, across different variances of these kind of careers, musicians, podcasters, wherever it may be. I mean, there's a shit ton of negativity out there. Um granted, you kind of get to a point and you guys are very established where your audience knows who you are, the people paying attention to you have are there with respect. But there's still got to be trolls and people that that choose to try to, you know, start something just for the sake of starting it. So um, that's my question. Like, do you even bother to read it? And for what reason?
3: Right. Uh, You know, like anybody who I think has, uh, you know, is passionate about the things that they create, I'm sure you want to know what people think about it, good and bad. And uh, for me, it's about like... it's sometimes like if somebody you know like has it 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 definitely is sometimes difficult to you know not feel slighted if somebody has a really sharp critique of something that that you've said and that you disagree with and somebody even though like you know um yeah but then like it's there are times and 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 you know um there are moments where i definitely still try to take that person's opinion and think about whether or not they're right like you know um we have something that i'm afraid of is like you know making people feel like they have to censor themselves because they're they're trying to you know respond to us on a message board or if they're calling in sometimes i get the they're like they're very polite and um that's great because i i would rather that than the opposite but i also don't don't want them to feel like their opinion is worth any less than, than, than mine or John's and I, I, I try to do my best to welcome dissenting opinion especially when it's about professional wrestling and you know, whether or not you enjoyed a match like I, I, what I want to foster is conversation not just having right. my, my opinion being broadcast so I, I definitely accept you know, uh, uh, criticism but it, it, at that point it's about like, separating people who actually want to have a conversation and people who just want to like, you know piss you off
0: Sure, I want to piggy I want to piggyback off of, of what Matt is asking as well, because uh, i'm I'm curious, and I know there's look, there's a lot of people uh, as creatives, you open yourself up to to whatever may come, right
3: mm-hmm. uh, and and and, 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 and sort of cut you off, but like that is my job. Like I am taking other people's art and I'm criticizing their art. And I have you know sometimes like my own like um right. dilemma of like doing that, but you know, how hypocritical would it be of me to make a living off of criticizing other people to not be able to accept that criticism myself. Fair enough.
0: Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's a, that's a great point. Um, I, look, I think plenty of people uh, think about what may come of the criticism for, for them putting out their art, and that is enough to deter them from putting anything out. Uh, but you seem so calm uh, and collected with your thoughts in engaging with what may come. Um, I'm, I'm curious if this has always been the case, or if this is something that you had to sharpen that axe over time to get to get just better at dealing with what may come, especially if you're a person who doesn't just like put out content, dump it, and not look write something on a on a medium, dump it and and never look at it again, not engage in any kind of these these back and forth conversations, is that something that you were always uh, great at dealing with maybe the the whatever emotions that may come and be attached with the with the feedback, or is it something that you had to have conversations uh with your friends and and kind of work through to have such such a, a great take on it
3: uh well thank you first of all and and i i think for me like i i've always prided myself on being like you know somebody who who is a bit more empathetic um, than i don't know maybe 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 some and um i i always like you know if if i read something or if i read some form of criticism i kind of put myself in that other person's shoes to see like Okay, like what similar experiences have I I had in my past where I could relate to how this person is feeling, whether it be anger or like, you know, even if it's a troll, like, you know, have there been times in the past where I was young and wanted to troll, you know, this 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 celebrity on the Internet or something? Um, And I try to understand it. and, And, you know, oftentimes I I feel like I can. Sometimes you definitely can. And that's when you really ignore somebody. But like I I just, you know. Rather than I guess respond with emotion, you you try to respond with understanding, and that sounds super like new no, age. No, that's good
1: for you, man. It shows emotional yeah. intelligence, which I think is something that is much needed in uh, in in the climate of our of our times. You know,
3: because oftentimes when you respond with emotion, you just get into just nothing gets solved. Yeah, right. Yeah,
1: you're fighting fire with fire.
3: Yeah, like I and I know this because my family is a family of incredibly stubborn, very hot-headed people who I absolutely love. But I've seen them get into arguments that just never have any sort of resolution. It's always been my job as sort of like the youngest in the family to be like to try to either play peacekeeper or to just get everybody to just shut up and just, you know, not talk. And I, I don't know, that might have kind of fostered that within myself to realize the more you argue oftentimes, the worse it becomes. Discussion is a different thing. Debate is a very different thing. But if you're not on that path of properly listening to other people and taking everything personally, nothing gets solved.
2: Yeah, totally agree. Um, real quick, I'm trying to play uh, with time management right now. Um, Matt, I know we all have a lot of questions uh, for you, Wei. Uh, Matt has to leave uh, sooner than later. Uh, Way, are you willing to like hang around for an extra 30 once Absolutely.
3: Matt leaves? Okay. Absolutely.
2: Fuck yeah. Yeah. Okay, so... Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit out a little bit because I know Matt has some questions.
1: Yeah, 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 I just, I wanted to shift gears completely. Just out of curiosity, this has been um, a question that I've tried to put forward over the past bunch of months of us doing the podcast. I'm just curious, um, it's just kind of a two-part two question. One, when this pandemic hit, did you feel major effects from a day-to-day basis? And two, um, mainly for our listeners, I think we're always trying to figure out what is your routine for success in, in you know, accomplishing your job the best way you can on a daily basis and what does it consist of? Like, are you very regimented with when you wake up, what you do in the morning, your morning, your kind of morning rituals? Do you build in exercise, meditation? Are there other things you do? I'm just curious on a personal level outside of the, the podcast, um, you know, kind of, what you're doing, whether the pandemic has affected that, or if you just are solid in that sense. So, so,
3: uh, I'm somebody who, you know, I, I, I guess I have a pretty regular routine anyway, because our podcasting schedule is so, um, I guess so packed, you know, we essentially pretty much do like five shows a week. So every, my, my, my schedule is pretty much like, you know, set every time. Yeah. However, when it comes to like waking up on time, like because so much of the podcast takes place at night, I'm horrible with that. Before the pandemic, like I would wake up at in very inconsistent times because often I'd be working until like four AM, five A.M. sometimes. And so right. it'd be all over the place. Uh however, with the pandemic, uh, my fiance actually works in healthcare. And with the way things are, like she would typically take public transit and I obviously don't want her to, so I've been driving her to work every morning. So I've become a morning person. Like I wake up pretty much on the dot at like you know seven, seven, or seven thirty every day. And even if it's you know even if I've worked late at night um, to to drive her, and that's kind of like definitely cha- been a weird change. I've never been that person my entire life. So that's definitely like made me more regimented, if anything, during um, the pandemic. And, uh, beyond that, you know, uh, depending on what I have to do that evening, I might come home, um, and, you know, continue to do work, have to have a bit of breakfast, make a bit of coffee. Um, or I might like take a nap if I've had a long night the night before naps are key naps are so important in, as you become an adult, if you could fit those in, um, as far as like, you know, routines, like. I'm yeah, like, I've, I've done yoga for like much of my life now at this point, um, but it's not something I really do regularly. Uh, it's something I always wanted to do more regularly, along with meditation. You know, these are things that I'm, I'm well aware of and have practiced intermittently, but it's not something I ever do, like sit down and focus to do consistently. More so on like, you know, when things have definitely like gotten really bad. It's like, man, I need to sit down, I need to meditate and calm myself. That's when I, I do it. And I know that's not really a great way of, of practicing. But um, beyond that uh, exercise, I, I was really fortunate in uh, being able to like move into a home prior to this whole thing happening. And one of the big things I wanted before, um, I guess, right after moving the house, was to build a home gym. And so I was really fortunate to be able to buy a power rack uh, beforehand. Got a, set, uh, got a barbell and like a, a weight set. And uh, I've been so lucky, like I go to the basement and my gym is right there, like
1: yeah, there yeah, you I know go.
3: there you go. I know justin you are like, you're your personal trainer and and like you know you have a lot of experience doing that, so I've been like uh learning a lot about uh from Mark Ripito, uh starting strength breaking into that book and and just like you know again, obviously, I could be a lot more consistent than than you know i I want to uh I would like to be a lot more consistent. Um, but, uh, you know, it's something that I have and it's something that really breaks up and keeps me in shape. Um, beyond that, like I play music, you know, I know the three of you obviously are, are, are very experienced in that, uh, regard, but, uh, that's just something I do for, for, as a release for fun, you know, is play a bit of guitar or like I got an old PS3 and uh, I've been digging into rock band drums. Uh, God, that shit
1: is fun. It is so much
3: fun. There you,
1: there you go. So, yeah. ah, It's tough. I want to yeah. briefly touch on something you said because you're really the first guest that's brought this up um, with such importance, which is the nap thing, which is funny because I'm a terrible napper. Like, I, I don't do it. Um, if I feel tired and like I need a nap during the day, I do something completely different because I know it fucks me up big time for sleep at night. I feel weird when I nap. Like, if I feel like I'm in a nap, I go work out like I do the opposite of of what I'm feeling but I am curious because we haven't really I don't think ever talked about that on this podcast um if it's just something that you've you know gravitated towards or if you've really like ever taken a deep dive into the benefits of napping uh for you or you know if you have a broader idea or just what you get out of it i'm curious i don't really have a broader idea i just know when i'm really tired and
3: i need to like sleep otherwise my aew review i'm gonna have nothing to say because i'll be falling asleep halfway through it so really it's become a matter of necessity and i i mean immediately i see the benefits after even taking a 10-minute nap how much more alert i can be you know when i'm watching a wrestling match or something like that so i guess my experience has just been through through research but I do know there are optimal times of sure. napping yep right you know yeah. like something that give you a full sleep cycle was like 90 minutes is it's the like ideal. 90 yeah, yeah like
1: 90 minute increments you know is, is what you should do apparently what you should do for naps and man it's so interesting <clears throat> my uh, I was living with my my wife's parents for a bit during this pandemic before we moved into our house and my father-in-law naps every day and it's like whether it's 10 minutes or 30 minutes or, or a random number like he wakes up and he's just perfect and like it's refreshing man i can't i can't do that it's so weird i like i i feel off i'm groggy i'm i'm in a bad mood it just it really screws me up so i I truly think it's so obvious that people are wired differently in that way differently yeah Yeah. um
3: but see i can't do what you do i can't just be like oh i'm tired i gotta, gotta go to the gym no no way
0: yeah, fair enough. But that is also, Matt, you're probably also going to bed at a normal time and you wake up early in the morning and you, ha- I think you probably have a pretty good routine, whereas way over here yeah. is maybe up till two, three, and four in the morning. Cause it, it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, you record the podcast right after the episode. Yes. So mm-hmm. what is that, like nine to 11?
3: Yeah. Like we typically would record from like, you know, like, I don't know, like in the case of raw, probably 11 to one. And then it's like several hours of processing. And I'm on a high after like, you know, doing a podcast. That's how that's my exercise. You right. know, like That's when the endorphins get get rushing in my head is is when I'm talking about <laughs> professional wrestling. And so yeah, it's but, tough for me to go to sleep at night.
0: Yeah. You know, to kind of come down. Yeah. I think that would be a brilliant time for you to start doing your meditating, you know, and your yoga practice.
3: It is very that true, could just
0: yes. be like built in, right? Like one and one. It's like we do the mm-hmm. review. I'm feeling great. I hit my meditation. I go to sleep. But it, look, it makes sense that that then during the day, if you've only slept three or four hours, you're probably exhausted. And, and of course, it's a it's a it's such a refresher to just hit that button and go like That's it. I'm closing my eyes. No alarm whenever I wake up. Especially you want to be you know kind of primed and ready. For whatever you're going to do that night because you're doing a lot of your work at night and um correct me if i'm wrong but something that stuck out earlier when when uh you were talking about you said that that you you take a good nap before you go and do the podcast i think i vividly remember and and if if this is how it was that if you were going to work and then you were podcasting afterwards wasn't there like a big thing about the tim hortons coffee there was always like a big yes you always had your cup of coffee at in right
1: timmy sure. Hose, yeah timmy Hose. that's essentially
0: i mean you
2: guys with with the patreon that's like the branding of your whole operation yeah
3: it it is yeah i mean it 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 was one of the consistent things i would say that that's gone into a lot of our shows is just you know i mean it's it's the most popular drug in the world isn't it caffeine and uh it it makes there are definitely monday nights where john and i both really require it just to kind of like you know be up and be alert um but you know, coffee and wrestling is initially what we wanted to call this whole thing. Our podcast. I mean, I thought it was, you know, it was cute, but I, I, I don't know if like, you know, applying for a credential to like WrestleMania or even ROH. Hey, we're with coffee and wrestling. I don't know how well that.
2: So uh, that's funny. I would, uh, I would run the, the, the press calls that we would do before, uh, pay-per-views. And I think there's a, a pancakes and power slams yes. out there. So like, that would always get a response and typically like not a favorable response uh, from the talent.
3: Sure. Right. So, yeah, that, that kind of went into it. But coffee is definitely an essential, especially if
1: you're a Canadian. Does. Um, so uh, forgive me if this is common knowledge and I just don't know. But does post the name post wrestling, is that essentially representative of after the match you guys go on and you review it pretty much instantly yes. post the match? You know, one of the things that I, one of the reasons why,
3: why, like, you know, we chose it was because I think it means so many different things, like, that's related to our business. Number one, primarily, is your definition that you just suggested. We do post shows, we do reviews. After the thing's done, we do our shows. So it's post blank. But, you know, of course, like, posts are, uh, 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 you know, one of the four pillars of the wrestling ring. So that fits in really well. Sure. Um, and we post things like <laughs> we post things on the Internet, like so, yeah, there literal. numerous al- applications, numerous puns to be made out of it. And it just it seemed like the perfect, easy to remember thing that sounded somewhat professional that had a URL available. So the moment that I I thought about it, I checked the URL. It was good. That's it. And John was on board.
1: So yeah. Sorry, real quick. This will be my last question before I have to bail. Um, And as I mentioned, I I texted you guys, I'm going to just, I'll keep my e-cam rolling. I'm just going to turn off my uh, my camera, my mic, and I'll kind of close down a bit. But um, I'm curious what, again, this is kind of a two-part question, like, and forgive me if this is a bit uh, too personal, but I'm curious, like, um, do you feel like, one, if you can objectively look at your business and the and and the podcast the patreon everything combined do you feel like you're at a point where it's like at a level of massive success and or do you feel like um, there's a lot more to go and within the next five years 10 years whatever it is you have a very clear vision of expanding it even more? Like, is, are there goals like that? And do you also feel like you are at a point where you can, you know, modestly say it's crushing or not? (laughs) Yeah, I don't, (laughs) uh, I don't know
3: if I would say it's, it's crushing. um, But I definitely would classify ourselves as a success. I, I have no shame in like, uh, you know, saying that because I simply see the number of other Patreons that are out there, the uh, number of other podcasters that are out there, and we're definitely like among one of the, the bigger success stories that have used the platform. So I consider myself, again, incredibly fortunate. And uh, yeah, I would say that we are, um, you know, successful, no doubt. Uh, to be able to do this full time is a success. Uh, sure. As far as, you know, big plans, I wish I could give like a better answer and be like, yeah, I have like on my mind map right here, you know, a 10 year plan set up for what post wrestling is. I don't I don't know what this industry is going to look like in sure. like five years. I don't know what pod I don't even know if podcasting might be around in five years. This shit is changing like so fast that like um, I I'm not really thinking in those terms. Um, and because every day is so busy, like I just think about what we're doing the next week. And, and, you know, I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but like it, it, because of the pace that we're at, it, it, it it makes me focus on the present and, uh, that's, that's kind of where we're
1: at. That's good. Yeah. It keeps you climbing the mountain one step at a time. And, you know, the, the interesting thing, I guess, is, uh, to that point in five years, you'll probably be doing shit that you never thought you'd be doing that evolved, slowly over time and again i just i'm always curious to see how people work you know if there's a very clear path in front of them and and milestones they're trying to reach or if they're simply just kind of taking it as it comes and and tackling it on a day-to-day basis
3: you know a lot of my milestones are are maybe more personal in nature like things to do with like my personal life uh you know perhaps starting a family things like that but i definitely do feel like though like We should, John and I, like maybe have that conversation sitting down and be like, "Hey, five years, where do we see ourselves?" I think that's that's definitely not unhealthy at all.
1: For sure. Well, yeah, that's cool. I'd be curious to see if that changes at some point. But, um, yeah, it's been interesting. It's been interesting not knowing you or anything about you to just kind of likewise. Yeah, Yeah. just just to get get a feel for it. And um, I'm definitely gonna ask Jordan and Justin a lot more about it. And I'll, I'll even tune in. I'm not a wrestling fan. Not for any other reason That I just never grew up with it, right? I, I never, it was never what I was focused on. Music was always what I was doing, pretty much 100%. And I didn't really make room for other stuff like that, even if I tried. You don't have to
3: explain why you, know? you were never a wrestling fan, you know? It's
1: like there's no shame. <laughs> oh, in, in for sure. Wrestling fan. It's usually
3: the opposite. We're trying to defend ourselves why we are wrestling fans.
1: Got it. Well, no, I, I guess my point is it's like I don't, I don't know if I had a, a, a clear reason why I would find your. Patreon or your podcast but now that i'm invested in you from from my from even this short experience i'm really curious to see what these guys are talking about so um i'll be tuning in i'll be listening so yeah man thank you man yeah i appreciate it and unfortunately i do have to bail but um i'll let these guys wrap up and then uh guys just text me whenever you finish and i'll, I'll cut off the recorder and uh i'll send it to joe cool brother thank cool. you yeah thank you guys appreciate it thank you man way thanks man Thank you, man. No worries. So wait, I just want to kind
2: of give my take on the name of post-wrestling. I kind of took it as like uh, a genre in the sense like you got post-punk, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, this is like what wrestling has evolved into. Uh, For me, like if I'm just going to watch the TV product of pro-wrestling, Like, that's not interesting to me anymore. Like, quite frankly, a lot of it sucks and it's inconsistent. Um, And I could see why someone like Matt, who didn't get into it at a young age, like wouldn't get into it now. Um, Obviously, I've also spent a lifetime and for a couple years, a career uh, trying to defend the art of of pro wrestling um, and all that comes with it. Um, But I see what you guys are doing. I mean, to me, that has been the evolution of my uh interest in pro wrestling it's you you got the content on tv but then you have this community aspect you have this um kind of media analysis aspect of it uh so to me i always took post wrestling as like this is just the next iteration of the genre of professional
3: wrestling that's really interesting i I definitely have not thought about it that way like i've always kind of thought of what we do as just a supplement to the actual thing that's going on Um, But for you, you it's but
2: but I'm sure there's plenty of people that say I don't watch Smackdown. I just listen to you guys
3: yeah, yeah, Uh, and You're absolutely right like you're telling me that your experience with wrestling like we it sounds like we're an integral part of of your experience and that is again uh, uh, I'm grateful for that uh, but I, 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 never thought about it and, you know, I, but I'm like that too. Like, you know, the more I think about it, the more I completely understand. Cause I definitely became a bigger wrestling fan once the internet came around and I joined message boards and, you know, outside of watching it for two hours or three hours a week, I'm watched, I'm. I'm exposed to it 24 hours a day because I'm with this community that is constantly talking about the things that we just watched or the news that's breaking. So absolutely being a wrestling fan means more than just, you know, watching the actual product. I I completely understand. And that goes for music and really any other art form.
0: I, I think what would be really interesting for Matt is, is now just knowing you and your personality and just buying into you. Right. So like for me, I haven't been really following the product as much, except for the fact that I'm a huge every time I die fan. And I actually now I'm just seeing that Jordan is wearing an every time I die shirt. So supporting uh, Andy Williams, right? Butcher and Blade. Right, uh, so I, I did turn it on last week. I did see this this incredible match that I, and I was trying to explain to my fiance as if she like really gave a shit of, of like the importance of like, how cool yeah. this is, you know, like 16 year old me going to see every time I die and like wearing the belt buckle and fucking loving them and now look he's living these two dreams um but so I- so
3: so as a fan you guys have always known that he was a wrestler but like how how serious i guess you know was was he known I, I like cuz I, I see him uh, on a weekly basis now and the dude is really good and yeah. like i always known he like he was involved in like the buffalo scene but i didn't know how serious he was i thought he was just okay he's a he's a he's a band member who just you know occasionally like, I don't know, I might have gotten the ring a couple of times, but he's like really good.
2: From my experience, uh, yeah, I guess he was up until recently more of a, a regional indie wrestler who did it for fun. Um, Justin and I went to, to the Warp Tour a couple of years ago, and I went up to him and introduced myself, told him I've been a lifelong fan, been uh, very influenced by him musically at times in my life, in the music that, that Justin and I created. Hey, by the way, I also do this at Ring of Honor. Um, and then, you know, when we go to Buffalo, uh, I'd be happy to, to list him. Um, and, and vice versa at every time I die shows for me. Um, and I last saw him after, uh, MSG at, at the G1 supercard. And I guess he was there in attendance, uh, as I don't know, a fan or networking or whatever it may be. It came as a shock to me as well. Um, I, I know his tag partner, uh, I believe was in TNA, uh, and yes, yes yeah. right. So, uh, I mean, he was doing it much more than like a weekend warrior type thing for fun. Um, But yeah, look, you can't teach size. He has size. Uh, He has had massive success internationally as a creative. So like he's understood uh, the the psychology of what it is to succeed in pro wrestling, in my uh, opinion, because it's not that dissimilar uh, from engaging an audience emotionally from the stage back in uh, 2006 and I had to look this up real quick. They put out a DVD real called quick Shit Happens looks like wait, you are with us way looks like
0: it froze a bit. Yeah. Sorry. Yo.
3: Yeah. Yeah, like uh, like and it, Skype has been terrible for me lately where I, uh, my connection might break but I'm back. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yo, so I um I was just saying I looked this up real quick in 2006. Every time I die I put out a DVD called Shit Happens. So 2006, we're talking 14 years ago. There was a moment where they were at some kind of uh, uh swimming pool at a hotel and the next thing you know, I Andy does um Oh God, correct me, what's uh, the like the back flip and you land on the guy? Moonsault? Uh, shooting Star? Shooting Star, I, I wanna oh. say. Uh, he goes Fallen Angel, Christopher Daniels, and hits it. Oh, Moonsault, you're right, oh, Moonsault, yeah, yeah. Moonsault, so right. we're talking 14 years ago. So this is something that I'm sure has been on his radar for a very, very, very long time. I only came hip to knowing about like the Pythons, the tag team in the local Buffalo scene, just through being a fan of every time I die. Um, But but to Jordan's point, I think he's had a gimmick of Mr. Williams, this this big guy crushing it on guitar uh, for a very long time through Violent Gentlemen, through through other brands uh, and doing doing kind of like because they're big hockey fans, you know, the let's go Buffalo kind of stuff. I mean, so so to see someone uh, it's very inspiring to see someone have a dream, probably at a really young age to then go after one of them and be as successful as they've become musically. And I'm sure we can all take uh, so much inspiration from that. But then at, say, 40, uh, and to kind of draw a parallel, this is kind of like how I feel about um, how people now love Daniel Cormier, Let's Go DC, at, you know, 42. I think they're very close in age, something of that nature, to to be – look you're you're 100%. living all these dreams. you know and and Cormier is now you know kind of he's got the MMA you know, and the Olympic accolades, but now he might go professional wrestling, commentating the whole night. I mean, man, to what inspiration to to see these people that we get to watch uh, that some of these people we grew up with watching and, and loving and supporting and and they're still chasing dreams.
3: It, it shows you that, you know, like, even and I don't know how, how old you guys are, but like, I'm 36 now. And as I'm pr- approaching 40, sometimes like you feel like your window of like, you know, um, being malleable and having, you know, options seems to close. But I mean, I, I I think that's a fallacy, you know, I mean, obviously, as your responsibility, responsibilities grow, if you have a family that 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 can change. But um I don't think it should stop you from, I guess, being curious and being, you know, perhaps, um, I don't know, uh, ambitious enough to want to pursue other interests than what you are, have already achieved success in.
2: Yeah, so I, I'm 34, Justin's a year and a half younger. Um, look, on paper, the the narrative of my career seems absurd in the sense that I've I've had the success in music, uh, but I'm also a licensed psychotherapist. Uh, found ways to combine the two of those things, uh, and yeah, then,
3: what you do is really cool. Like, I mean, I, I always knew what, like you were attached to something like that, but like, you know, seeing like before I was doing this, I, I looked, I looked it up and it was like, I was incredibly impressed and really interested in, in what you do with Beatwell.
2: Thanks, man. That's super kind. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's like enough for like one career to to try to carve out. And then, you know, in my early thirties, I'm like, huh, let me find a way to get Ring of Honor to create a job for me. While still being a psychotherapist and, and still being a, a musician in the world. And uh, at least for me, and maybe it's the same for, for someone like Andy or Cormier, um, it just felt like something I had to do. You know, uh, I, I could have invested more energy into, into Beat Well, and, and maybe it would have uh, grown more by now. But it was like, man, if I didn't really, really try to fight for something legitimate in pro wrestling, then I would just live with regret, and the, the the experience of regret, uh, even if I'm just imagining it in the future, like that was just too, fucking painful to to ignore and and to not fight for for the dream of pro wrestling. So, look, I hope when I'm 60, I still get fire in that sense uh, for maybe something. I mean, to me, it's all the same. It's all just community building. It's emotional storytelling, whether it's music or or Uh, I'm giving a keynote, uh, presentation to a psychology conference, uh, or I'm working within pro wrestling. To me, there's a through line and it all makes sense. Um, I'm just kind of tasting it, uh, kind of like from all these different perspectives.
3: No, no, that it makes total sense. And, and, you know, I think if you're somebody who has achieved, achieved success in, in one area, you have those skills of communication, of being able to, you know, uh, educate, and to i guess you know convince somebody hey like um i'm passionate about this i will see this through you have a track record and that's something you could take to to all sorts of different fields
2: that's the key and i think that's really the what this podcast is about you know i mean in the in the past couple months we've had a um uh an air force bomb technician uh we've had fucking donnie Wahlberg. uh we've had audio engineers uh we've had uh clinical uh, scientists and researchers, and and now we've had a pro wrestling podcaster and yes. hell yeah. Man. And, but, <laughs> but the thing is, it's, it's, uh, it's these skills that are translatable amongst all these different things, you know, all, you know, I'm going to say four of us, you know, including Matt, we've tasted success in different ways. And, and, and once you have that, I, I, it's, it, it's hard not to believe in yourself, uh, because We've proven to ourselves that we can make something happen. Um, here's, what, here's what I, I want to pivot, because, you know, Wei, uh, you came to a crossroads a couple years ago when, when essentially uh, the Fight Network was acquired by a different company, and, and you and John and that department was essentially let go. Um, I'm curious if you're willing to share, like, what, what was that like for you? I mean, for me, as a fan, like, I was sitting at my Ring of Honor desk fucking heartbroken. So I couldn't even imagine what it was like for you. I reached out to Braden. Uh, I didn't feel like I had a relationship uh, quite like that with you to to reach out personally. Um, but but I'm curious. Like, can you bring us into your your thought process, into the emotions of it? And uh, did you did you have feelings of doubt within yourself, or even in what you and John could do independently?
3: Um. Yeah. So at this point, it was uh, back in October. Like October 30th, 2017, like was was the date and it was a Monday and we were getting set to like record raw um, that day. But that morning I was called into the office uh, because of an announcement. And I I think when you get that text from your boss, you kind of know what's up. Uh, John was the first to be let go. So he was the first contact that I had and he told me he was let go. And I was pretty much expecting the same. So you See, what I didn't know was whether or not they were going to let me go or they were going to bring me in specifically to tell me that they had let jo- John go and that they were going to move forward with whatever I was doing because our jobs were pretty different. You know, John was a reporter. I was a videographer and editor. Um, my biggest concern was the latter, that they would keep me but let John go because that mean we would have to break off what at that point to me – became was like I think the you know the thing I enjoyed doing the most uh, with my job attached to, to Fight Network um I enjoyed the other stuff too but like I I think there was something a bit more special about like you know the podcasts and, and really fostering the community that John and I have had built and at that point I would be faced with the option of whether or not I would quit and basically lose out on a source of income or um continue and not not be able to to do the podcast um when I when they let me go I I was happy like John and I were both pretty frustrated at that point in our careers because of our lack of mobility um there were a lot of kind of weird things going on with I think um conflict of interest because our company had purchased TNA wrestling and while we weren't covering I at least I wasn't covering you know impact wrestling um it just got into a weird space and for us to be able to properly do our jobs, even revealing WWE. I, I think we, we ultimately like we were having conversations about leaving John and I quitting as late as the Friday before that Monday. Wow. So we, we kind of wanted this and to be able to like be let go, to be given a, a bit of a severance package that we can at least, you know, walk away from after working there for 10 years. Um, it was exactly the kick out the door that I think we both wanted. And knowing that I was still going to work with John, that we were going to plan on doing this thing on our own anyway, trying to give it a go, um, it just like made for us the, the big life decision that we were struggling to make anyway, of whether or not we were going to break off and try this on our own, and we did.
2: That's amazing. Was 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 Patreon the obvious next step for you guys?
3: Yes. Yes, it was. Uh, we saw, you know, the like, you know, like, you know, a, a, again, like having those conversations prior to being let go. But what we would do if we were to be let go, we were looking at the landscape at, at like, you know, what the viable options are to make this, you know, to try to make some money, uh, you know, out of doing th- these things because we would no longer have the corporate backing. And um, there are very successful news websites out there that have kind of like formed their own systems. But something. But it always seemed like so technically beyond us and what we were capable of. But something that had just been created and our friend Jay Hunter from OSW Review had seen great success with was Patreon. We saw how well he was doing. We've communi- we communicated with Jay, asking him about his ex- experience. Jay happens to be somebody who is incredibly knowledgeable about Patreon and actually like, like was probably one of the first to like achieve success at least within our little, you know, wrestling ecosystem. So he gave us such a great lesson about the importance of, like, fostering a community. And that's all stuff I enjoy anyway. So it all worked out, like, you know, to, to I think, my strengths, to to John's strengths. And it, it, it became, like, the, the best option for us. Yeah.
0: There, there's something really interesting about uh, the gift of having someone do something for you that end up being so favorable, right, in in, in your in that moment, when you're already contemplating out the, walking out the door, it's kind of like uh, when I hear like Dana White talk about, you know, if, if someone is uh, contemplating kind of hanging up or, or leaving their gloves in the octagon, you might as well go. And, and maybe there is something on the horizon for you. But for, for you guys, you already knew what maybe would be the next step uh, when you receive that gift of, of going and, and now deciding to bet on yourself. I'm curious if if betting on yourself uh, the two of you in this together, which is always easier than, than going at it solo, uh, for you personally betting on yourself, was that always something that you were really good at doing? Or was it something that, uh, a few ducks had to start to line up before you were like, okay, now I can jump in the water.
3: Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I kind of take that question to, to, to ask if I, am like a risk taking person, like if a I'm bit, somebody yeah. who, yeah. I and I would say take... the,
0: the clip without the parachute, <laughs> Without a safety net and and were you always good at just jumping or were you like, well, I'm also a little calculated, which a lot of people are, that you want to maybe a little a smaller safety net that would like potentially catch me if I jumped and fall.
3: I really admire people who are like that. I'm not one of those people like, you know, it goes back to kind of what we were talking about earlier about people, to, you know, deciding to take a year off to really discover themselves. I'm somebody who like I think um, grew up like, you know. Caring a lot about maybe what my parents' expectations were of me, and that meant you know following the course uh, to, to kind of like their design of like going straight to university and making sure that I I get a good enough job. The 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 fact that I was able to choose a career in something like the arts, like television, was already I think a level of autonomy I was pretty grateful for. Uh, but you know, I don't know if you've I don't think I would consider that risk taking like. I yeah, like I've heard people take risks and that means, you know, abandoning uh, their livelihood um, in order to do something. I think we were approaching that point, honestly, like if we were still working at the Fight Network and we didn't see anything change in like six months. John and I had kind of set a cutoff, you know, to be like, if we if nothing changed for us by this point, we would quit. So we were approaching that point. But I would have met that that period with a great deal of like. Oh man, concern and hesitation, and thankfully I didn't even have to make that decision because it was made for us. But to answer your question, I don't consider myself that type of person. I wish I was and you know again, if in the future I'm faced with a scenario like that, i I don't know how I would react, but like I you know I, I, I hope that it would be with a bit you know rational thought and and also courage as well.
0: Go for it, Justin. I know we're all quite right, over the right. next question. I'll, I'll make it real quick. It might just be more of a comment than a question, but, uh, yeah. uh, way you are to Jordan, as I think Ariel Helwani is to me, uh, someone who, who Jordan actually said something really brilliant. Uh, his take on what post wrestling is kind of the commentary was more important than watching the actual product. Uh, I, 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 I think until that point, I could never really figure out why a post-fight press conference to me was always even more exciting than watching the pay-per-view yes, or talk absolutely. itself, yes. especially in the days when like, and, and I'll I'll throw a wrestler out there, especially in the days with Matt Riddle, 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 like when, when, when he would be on and, and you'd have like a long panel of people and he'd be at the end because he was like a young fighter at the time. And he was just, he was very funny in that, you know, before he was let go. Uh, from the UFC um but but in the even in those days it was great but even now the 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 format that they have now I want to know the numbers you know more of the 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 insider uh the, the inside track of what was really going on behind the scenes kind of and sometimes even more so than uh what was going on during the fights and then my Monday used to be consumed with I mean the MMA hour was was a was like, it became a six hour show, and I would consume that all freaking week. And I would be saying to myself, like, man, I'm in school to be a dietitian. I should be consuming more nutrition based stuff. But there was just this thing in me that, like, gnawed at me of like, but this is what I really want to sink my teeth into all the time. Uh,
3: well, I, if, you, if you wouldn't mind me speaking to, to that, please, like, please. You know, when it comes to uh, combat sports, we're essentially talking about an action scene in a movie. And you don't watch a movie just for the action scene. You watch a movie for the action scene and then the the, the denouement, you know, like what goes on after that, how they're reacting, what result, like what changes in their lives occurs after uh, a winner and a loser results from this fight and that's what makes you know those post press conferences so, so interesting that what's that's what makes something like a, a Hawani's podcast so interesting because they do, dive into the stories the the reactions of what occurs after this epic battle so i i always like watched mma the same way i watched professional wrestling it's for storylines it's for characters and you know of course it's also the the technique as well but um it, that's what makes combat sports i think so fascinating
0: Yeah. And, and, and real quick, I just want to finish with, um, look, look, I agree with you. I think, I think you can go and watch, like, for me, I can watch a great movie, but I'd rather watch the documentary about the movie because for, and, and granted, I'm sure the movie is great too. I want to watch that. But then I also want to hear like the, like, what were the thoughts and the process behind all of this? And like, what, where was the magic in that? Right. So like when, 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 uh, when a Demetrius Johnson lands a move that looks straight out of a video game, people want to know, like, what was the thought process in that? And of course, in in professional wrestling, a lot of those big spots are these sequences that are really, really well orchestrated. It's like it's like a great dance, right, or, or a great play. Uh, in MMA, it's a little more uh, a momentary decision. In that split second, you had to make that decision. But uh, and, and so, yeah, I think that in this conversation, it finally, you know, click the little switch of like, oh, that's how I can eloquently, uh, uh, you know, explain to someone like what I love so much about the sport that I love so much, which is great. So I like that nugget of of wisdom, you know, that I can now convey to someone that I maybe will have a conversation with, you know, Jordan, I want to thank you for that. But what I wanted to also bring up was, it's really interesting to say to hear you say you, you kind of gave yourself you and John gave yourself a six month window. Is that what you were saying? Something you know, like that, right? It's interesting because when I think about Ariel Hawani, he was working at a smaller publication and he kind of gave himself a deadline as well, and that really resonated. It's funny to hear that same kind of story. He said, and I think you know he felt the pressure from his parents, and he was saying that if I don't make it by, he gave himself a very specific date. If I don't make it by this date then then i'm going to close up shop and kind of go a safer route so it's it's just so interesting to hear uh two people that that my brother and i hold in such high regards you know kind of have the same conversation and and also be such wonderful contemporaries. so i i just wanted to comment on that that uh look i I think it's awesome sometimes sometimes we do give ourselves a, a a bit of a deadline and it's not always going to pan out in our favor and and that's okay. We can still be kind to ourselves that at least you went for it. You know, this is for anyone listening that's thinking about something maybe they've always wanted to do. Give yourself six months to take a shot at this thing. At least you won't end up with the capital R regret that you never did it, that Jordan, you know, I think was talking about, uh, you know, instead of going beat well route, you know, taking some chances. Uh, And we still should be taking those chances, of course.
2: But I want to add something to the the conversation about risk-taking. At least- Like, I'm sure, I mean, I know so many people, I'm sure you guys do as well, who spent 10 years plus in higher education, come out with hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loans, and now they're a doctor or a lawyer uh, or something like that, and they hate it. Like, to me, like, that's a huge risk. Yeah, You know, to invest all of that and then to get to that, that point when you start earning money and you get this gut feeling, and maybe the gut feeling was there all along and you didn't respect it, uh, and you gave in to external pressure, uh, whether it's parents or society or a teacher or whomever it may be. Uh, but to me, like, that's the ultimate risk. And I have empathy for that because when, when I took a break from music, I entered the master's program in clinical psychology, and it felt like a safer, more predictable route I could visualize that if I do these things, then I could be doing this job for this kind of money. And within the first semester, uh, I had to respect that gut feeling that if I don't show up in the world as a musician, as a creative, uh, then I'm gonna be fucking miserable for the rest of my life. Uh, So for me, it was actually, uh, yeah, in my definition of like risk-taking, doing the safe thing sometimes Is like the ultimate risk and not worth doing sure
3: that's um yeah really fascinating i suppose like when we're talking about risk oftentimes we're we're talking about money aren't we and people are you know consider the risk to be to not have a, a a full you know a source of income rather than thinking about the risk of happiness and not having happiness and it seems like you are prioritizing happiness over Finances, which is something I, I always try to think about. Yeah,
2: look, well, you know. when it, it, if, if I'm afforded, like, uh, time to reflect on my life on my deathbed, uh, I'm not going to think to myself, man, I wish I made another dollar. But I mm. would have thought, man, I wish I really, like, tried at, at, at pro wrestling, you know, to, to, to play in that sandbox f- for a bit of time. And I know what mm. it's like to, to work with people uh, who prioritize money and – Look, I respect it because uh, it's survival, obviously. Um, but we also live in, in, in a culture uh, that is consumerist in nature, is uh, capitalistic in nature, and that puts the dollar on the pedestal. In, in fact, you know, we live in a culture that tells us that we're awful and we're broken, so we spend our hard-earned money to buy services and products to create the illusion that we'll be happy. You know, so the whole thing is just fucked up from the inside out uh, that for me, it just makes sense. Like, I, I think if you if, if you have a work ethic and you're willing to just show up and try uh, and you know how to deal with people, interact with people, uh, learn from interactions, then if you do something that gives you energy, you'll find a way to make a buck off of it.
3: Sure. And I wanted to just mention, like, this is not to discount people who actually truly like are passionate about like owning businesses or being a stockbroker or being an accountant even like there's an art to all these things that that is beautiful if you really like look into it It, i guess we are more so talking about people who are reluctantly taking on careers strictly for you know uh i I guess financial gain
2: or just the yeah or the illusion of security in that sense right you know absolutely yeah look it, it.
0: I, look, I, th- I think we're we're all talking about energy, right? You gotta follow. You gotta follow that energy, right? And so, if you if you feel passionate about something, look, I think we've all been there. I know Jordan and I have talked about this before. I think Jordan has shared this publicly on the podcast. There's things like you show up on day one to go do something, and this could be that you spent ten years to go to, to go, uh, you know, be a doctor or a lawyer, right? This could be that you spent four years in a degree to be a, a you know, a, a, in the marketing field, and you show up on day one and you get this overwhelming sense of like, oh shit this feels awful. And I think it's really important to follow that. But, but if, if you show up, uh, in anything, you know, and of course we're not discrediting, uh, in anything that someone does, right. If you show up and, and you're passionate about it and you get energized from it, you got to follow that. Why would, why would you run away from the thing that gives you the most energy that makes you feel the best? You know, I mean, for, for whatever it is, it, it, it might be something that, you know, leads you on a path to this monetary success, uh, and it might be a thing that, that really doesn't.
3: should you do it though, with the goal of you know making money, or are there things that you can strictly enjoy as a hobby uh, without putting that pressure on yourself?
2: A- absolutely. Right. I know yeah. what it's like to have uh, music not be fun anymore because it became too much of uh, my business mm-hmm. you know now, so and when I entered pro wrestling uh, it, it, from that perspective with Ring of Honor, I was hyper aware of protecting that fandom within me, of not letting the stress and the politics and the frustrations of the business of pro wrestling interfere with my ability uh, to still love it once, once it was over. And I didn't know if it would be over within, I gave myself internally 12 months. I said to myself, even if I fucking hate it uh, four weeks in, I'm still gonna stick it out for a year just to kind of respect the opportunity and to see if things would turn around and also to fight for the changes that, uh, that I wanted. Um, so I didn't know if it would last a year or five years. Uh, I, I, I was pretty clear it wouldn't last, uh, for like a decade. Uh, but, but I, I knew I wanted to protect the passion, uh, that provided me enough fight to, to make that a reality in the first place.
3: And, and what led to you leaving?
2: I accomplished my goals. Um, and look, the vision was never work my way up in pro wrestling, because for me, working my way up in pro wrestling would really be owning my own promotion. And that didn't seem that fun, uh, or realistic, um, I, I you know, I want to, I want to create my own thing. I want to touch people, uh, like in a hand to hand combat type of way and, uh, ring of honor and quite frankly, pro wrestling didn't, uh, allow for that. And plus, like, I'm not cut out working in a fucking office, you know, I'm not cut out working in a corporate structure. Um, so I learned a lot about how to play in that environment and the social gymnastics that, that comes with it. Um, but to be quite frank, like I got to work out a sold out Madison square garden. I was given the responsibility of, uh, creating the branding and communication of that event. Hey, Jordan, we booked the event. Like, we booked the fucking garden. Like,
3: yeah.
2: go do. That's uh, amazing. And I'm not giving myself the credit, clearly, uh, but we did sell out in 17 minutes after the public on sale. I got to put on a suit. I got to work in the actual venue. And then it was like, well, what else am I going to do here? I mean, if I had goals, clearly that wasn't a goal because that seemed so unrealistic two years prior um but i i felt like i got to do it i scratched the itch i got to play in the sandbox and now there's a a bunch other more sandboxes and sand castles that i want to play in and build myself so that's really what it came down to
3: oh Um, you were certainly like there like at the peak and uh for sure yeah yeah so
2: that look that does not go unnoticed that does not go unnoticed. um uh, I, I guess to start like taking this thing home um, way, I, I want to kind of circle back. I, I was playing it up for dramatic effect when, when I was talking about like, we've had clinical researchers and we've had a list celebrities and we've had now a, a pro wrestling podcaster. Um, yeah. That's funny to say. Um, I think of you as a genuine hero of mine because of that, you know, and, and then that kind of ties into what we're talking about uh, living a life of, of, of purpose and passion, uh, and yet still being able to, to earn a living doing it. Even if, uh, pro wrestling podcasting, uh, wasn't one of the majors at, at your university. Um, you know, the, the fact that, that you were not only willing to try, but you've been succeeding in doing it. Uh, and it seems like at least from my perspective, you guys haven't like, lost any integrity in the process. If any, uh, it's, it's only been strengthened uh, in these recent conversations you've been having in the past few months. Um, to me, Thanks. like, yeah, dude, like that, you, you are a hero in my book because you are what I aspire to do in my own unique ways. So I, 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 just wanted to say that because I didn't want you or anyone else to feel like, uh, I was minimizing what you do as a profession. In fact, I put it on a pedestal.
3: No, I appreciate that. Uh, I, it, it's, it's amazing. Cause like, I think, in in your own ways i admire the two of you and matt as well for pursuing what you guys have done in your careers whether it be in you know uh like physical training like something that i wish i was a lot more i think in tune with myself or in the career of music like these are things that i think are incredible achievements that i look at as you know not not very very few people are able to to acquire so i appreciate that you know as far as like integrity goes i really appreciate that you you mentioned that because it's something that uh is incredibly important to john and i and it didn't always like we didn't think about that 10 years ago like we're just like kind of like hey Come into this microphone. Let's talk about this stupid wrestling show from like, you know, uh, like nineteen ninety seven. Uh, oh, Scott Polsky, ha 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 ha. We weren't really thinking about integrity then, but like as the responsibility grew, and I think as we grew as people, um, it became more and more important to us. And again, like so much of this, I I I I credit John Pollock completely. He's the best, like, at being able to uh not just investigate stories, but also be to be able to present them in as professional of a manner as he is and uh i i am so fortunate that i get to do podcasts with him like on a daily basis so um i i owe so much of my success obviously you know to working with him but like it's always been incredibly important to both he and i that we um you know even if like We've we've turned down so many like um, advertising opportunities. We've, sure. we've turned down like a whole lot of things, like you know free free su- such and such, just because we didn't want to have our um, yeah we we didn't want to be like you know restricted in in what we we've been able to say, and we didn't really want any sort of conflicts of interest. We're incredibly careful about that. Uh, and we're lucky enough to be able to have that freedom because we are supported by listeners we're not attached to anybody we owe no bias to anybody and and that's something that again I'm really priv- uh, privileged to to have but something we work really hard to try to maintain
2: yeah and, and whether it's intentional or not I mean you guys are are playing for the long term I mean you're built to last because of that you're not taking the the short-term money on the table uh, you know you're 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 showing up. You're honest. You you respect the audience. And you know, granted, uh, the the amount that that I pay for your service each month uh, is is relatively minimal. I feel good paying it.
3: You know, like I. It's I feel- not minimal to me, honestly. Like, because like, pod like we used to do this shit for free. Everything is for free. Like anybody can get anything for free. Their their hours of entertainment are filled with free shit. So the idea that anybody would even pay a dollar, much less $6 a month for what we do, it, it, it was mind blowing to me when it first occurred. So I don't take that for granted.
2: Well, I appreciate that. And and the funny thing is, it's like, look, I may not even consume the content that I'm paying for at all times because you guys still put out a lot for free. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the the $6 a month that, that I invest, I may not listen to that content every month but it just makes me feel good to invest in you and John as human beings. And and that's a job well done on your guys' part.
3: And again, it's like, how many creators can say that they have you know people who feel that way about them? And, and it's something I don't take for granted. You know, imagine if, like, obviously, a lot, uh, Patreon wasn't something that was around all the time. And you might show your support by buying a ticket to a concert or buying an album or something like that. But... Um, to be able to have this direct of a relationship to the point where I know the name of the person who is subscribing every week uh, or every month, um, it's it 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 really like is such an incredible way to again build that relationship between you know consumer and creator.
2: Yeah, and look, I think the timing. Look, obviously for Ring of Honor, the timing worked out as perfect as it could uh, given the 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 wave that I got to ride there. Um, but it, it seems similar in your case as well. The, the time that you guys uh, were let go, you already had this runway of 10 years to build trust uh, and, and connection with an audience. The mm. technology of Patreon was mature enough where enough people knew and trusted that enough. And you mm. could leverage that um, as, as, as an in-between between uh, you and the consumer. Um, and the, the environment of pro-wrestling Uh, was in uh, a ripe space as well Uh, to the earlier point it was literally post wrestling fans uh, in many ways were more interested in uh, other experiences around the art of pro wrestling
3: yeah yeah and i mean i think you know especially in that time we were really talking about like the height of the indie boom and really what's resulted now in, you know, the formation of AEW, but like also an awakening of everybody to uh, things going on in other parts of the world, whether it be in the UK or Japan. So there was a lot more to cover besides what what was just there for WWE. And yeah, timing really is always everything. And uh, we were, I guess, very lucky then because I, I mean, man, if we were like let go right now, how successful would we be? I'm not really sure. It's that That's really hard to answer all these what ifs
2: it's it's hard to tell i definitely believe in luck um look i met joe cough on a plane that
3: was yeah really eh?
2: that was coincidental that was serendipitous whatever word you want to choose uh so yeah that that is involved but then it's a matter of like what the fuck do you do with the opportunity presented in front of you
3: no for sure absolutely um
2: well, justin well, i'm curious if you have any last things to ask before we hop off
0: no yeah no look, look one last thing i wanted to say of course um uh, look, you just brought up the joke off story, right? I mean, look, it, you can have all the things presented right in front of you on a silver platter, but then it's, it's, how do you deal with it? You know, what's your next move? What's your actionable step? Like, what do you take? Right for Jordan? You could have easily just said, Oh shit. Like, you know, I have an opportunity here and you could have just shied away because the moment was too big. Right. right. And I think for a lot of people, we, we start to play that, that reel in our head of like all the things that could go wrong if we go about this. I mean, look, we're three years, I think, into a podcast. I still have a lot of those feelings of like, shit, we're about to go do a podcast. Like, make sure you get the, you know, whatever, the marbles out of your mouth. And like, here we go. And, and there's a responsibility to this. And what are you going to do with the opportunity, Right. I mean, sorry.
3: I'm just I'm just thinking so much of like Eminem and Eight Mile. <laughs> I'm
0: <laughs> thinking of lose your, yeah. the intro
3: to Lose Yourself, like, yeah, you know, right? this, Playing in the background for this entire conversation, but it's it's exactly that.
0: I'm I, oh, man, I love that last sequence. That that <laughs> whole was that Papa Doc. <laughs> yes, something like yeah, that. It just yes, him, you, know, you know, like okay, Cranbrook. Okay, anyway, anyway. you know, I, I've never seen that movie. Oh, you gotta watch it.
2: I haven't seen most. Uh, I really I, just listened to reviews uh, of.
0: Friday night smackdown look the, the last point i wanted to make uh uh the the, the biggest thing to all this for anyone listening uh all the opportunities can be right there in front of you but if you haven't put the work in it, you might not be ready to shine when 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 you're on the stage and the lights are shining brightest you might not be ready for it but but to both of your credits when it comes to the, this world of professional wrestling both of you put the work in. So when the opportunity came and, and look, uh, for some people, it's like, oh, you got in on the infancy of something great, like podcasting or YouTube or something else. Right. And then it was just like serendipitous that, that like, Hey, Patreon is a thing or like crowdfunding or crowdsourcing for certain things was like a relevant thing that like, oh, I can tap into this and we can be independent. You know, like if it wasn't for those things, maybe all of this potentially wouldn't be what it is. Right. But if you don't put the work in, you know, you find that thing that you're that you're super passionate about, the thing that like you're up at night thinking about that you wish to Jordan's point, you had a friend to have these conversations about. Um, you, you, if you haven't put that work into it, then it all might be for nothing. So if there's something anyone listening to this, right, if there's something you've been thinking about that you've been like ah, oh, on the fence of like, should I, shouldn't I? find an extra five minutes in your day outside of the, the, the normal things you do and start chipping away at that thing. Cause if you put the work in when the opportunity comes, if it does come and it may come for anyone, right? You'll be ready at bat to just swing for the fences. And I think that's a, a huge, uh, just nod to both of you that you both put the work in. you guys are so passionate about the things that you do. Right. And especially when it comes to this professional wrestling, that, well,
3: See, when you say like put the work in, I I'm a lazy person by nature.
0: But so I have so long, you know. I mean, I, because I because I enjoy
3: work. it. Because I that's sure. that's my point. You know, right. when you when I when you say put the work in, I I think make make sure it's something you enjoy and it goes back to you know saying what can I see myself doing for eight hours a day and not get sick of it. Um, if you enjoy what you're doing, it it shouldn't feel like you're necessarily putting the work in. Certainly, there are going to be many days. There's still many days where I'm like man, like this is a really long day. This is a really long show. And I have to like, you know, watch this thing. Like it gets overwhelming, definitely. But for the most part, it's like I'm the process is is, you know, the privilege.
0: Right. Fucking and You, love keep, that. A t- you <laughs> keep a tough schedule. I mean, if you're, if you're watching, if you're consuming all of the content that is the professional wrestling world plus other things, that's a that's a, a, a huge undertaking and, a, and a, a massive endeavor because it's the train keeps rolling Right. And it's, and it's long and there's a lot to dive into. So like from my perspective, and I think this would be great for someone like Matt and anyone who's not into wrestling, listening to the review, I was, I was so in, and I would call Jordan as I'm driving home from work. And I'm like, I got to see this clip, you know, the orange juice dropping on Jericho's (laughs) head. I was like the way that they explained it or this thing that Taz said, I was like, I got to hear all these things. And, and I mean, Cool. That could be just enough. I don't even really honestly have to see the product. I could just listen. Kind of like, you know, you could just watch wrestling,
3: right? Yeah, like that's not, a, that's not an experience I'm really familiar with, you know, like, um, and, and, and it's an experience I hear a lot uh, from people that they, they you know, really like use our shows to supplement their experience and then they'll go back and rewatch, but it's not something I'm familiar with. So to even like hear about that process is, is really interesting to me that you have.
2: Well, I love the quote, the process is the privilege Uh, that is the pull quote, my friend way, uh, thanks so much for making time and and extra time. And just, and I don't know if you took your nap prior to this, uh, so you could give your full energy. uh, I,
3: I, I dropped my girlfriend off and then I had a straight four hours and I'm like so good right now. Yeah.
2: Amazing. Um, dude, this was such a pleasure, uh, for me. And I know for Justin and Matt,
3: um no likewise likewise i mean i you know i heard you on on the up next podcast i had always known of you of you of course jordan and uh but i i I didn't know how deep you were like you know in in i guess everything that you you do and i i I think what you do is incredibly fascinating i met you justin now too i think all three of you are incredibly fascinating so um love what you're doing with chocolate croissants and uh i look forward to listening to the show
2: thank you brother i do want to say for those for those watching on youtube I am <laughs> most proudly a fucking Wei Ting guy.
3: <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, you I uh, don't sell that anymore.
2: Well, then this is, uh, this is history in physical form. Uh, that was actually for like a year my, the only shirt I would perform in.
3: That's uh, unreal. I
2: That's know, right? Uh, dude, I'm, I'm so motivated by absurdity. And uh, uh, there was something about doing that that felt so yes. natural and, and lovely so i i appreciate I, you yeah. for being that 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 face on my chest uh during I, all of those shows
3: i am proud to be the face of absurdity i i i'm so proud that's awesome
0: this I feels love, like a culmination of 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 a long game kind of thing of like hey look you know we've
3: now now been- i need a jordan goodman shirt really i, like- I need a chocolate <laughs> croissant shirt uh y-
0: yeah we
2: we probably should do that um um look well talking about like the, the culmination of things uh look, uh, I, I've told this many times uh, and way I do not want an answer uh, yes or no, either way right now. Um, but the only reason I fought so hard to get that job at Ring of Honor is, is, is so that one day I could be a guest on the post-wrestling Christmas show. So again, I'm taking all of my public opportunities uh, to state that uh, publicly and putting it out into the world. I, I, I honestly do not want you to to say uh yes or no right now but i'm just gonna i'm just gonna leave it uh as it is
3: uh in this moment then i won't give you an answer you'll you'll have to wait and see i i
2: I, I, look i it took me a year and a half intentionally to even ask for an opportunity at ring of honor um and so i i i am playing the long (laughs) game my friend
3: I'm playing a long
2: game.
3: You know what? Like, we'll maybe start a petition online. See like how many signatures you can get. I, I imagine next to being cast in a Marvel film, um, this might be one of the tougher spots to get. A spot in the post-wrestling Christmas show.
2: So I mean,
3: we'll, we'll see what you could, what support you can drum up.
2: Look, man, I'm, I'm happy to just Wait, was that a button? You hear uh, that?
3: Well, not even intentional, but yes.
2: Um, Okay, guys, facebook.com slash groups slash It is our private, inclusive community of creatives from around the world. Uh, you are welcome to join us there. Uh, we would like you to join us there, quite frankly. Uh, if you're listening to this conversation on your podcast app, you can actually see the face of Wei Ting that I wore on my chest as I performed for a year in the band Reindeer uh, by watching this on youtube.com slash chocolate croissants. Um, uh, Way, thank you so much. This was such a pleasure. You know, they say uh, never meet your heroes,
0: but uh, uh, you uh, <laughs> just leave it at that. Just leave it at that. I'll just leave it at yeah, that. Yeah, nothing else. Um,
2: Way, uh, all post wrestling, all that. Uh, I, I will add it to the show notes. Uh, but but I honestly, like all jokes aside, I, I want to sincerely uh, and publicly. Thank you uh, for being yourself and sharing it with the world.
3: Oh, thank you so much, man. Thank you. Thank you to you, Justin and Matt, for for creating the space that, I mean, it, like I said, you know, we don't often get into conversations like this uh, on our podcast. So this is an outlet for me to be able to have a, a lot of conversation that I don't usually get to have. So I appreciate it. I, you know, This is the type of conversation I'd be happy to you know, engage in, even off air. But the fact that we get to broadcast it and share it with an audience is you guys are doing a service for people like myself. So thank you.
2: Appreciate that, brother. Um, I'll definitely be in touch sooner than later. Um, and for everyone else listening, come hang out with us in the Facebook group. We will be back next week with another episode of the Chocolate Croissants podcast. This is one of the more formal outros that I've ever done. So I'm going to take these bells. I'm going to throw them. Across the room, I'm going to hit this cowbell three times, and then I'm going to say bye-bye.